Hi, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR Works. We're always talking about success, how to drive success. Today's guest talks about failure and how important it can be to an organization's success. Courtney Branson is Director of People and Culture at Square Root, an Austin-based technology startup that creates store relationship management software for some of today's leading automotive and retail enterprises. Courtney brings her creativity to everything she does, and her compassion and patience keep the Square Root team grounded and thriving. Prior to joining Square Root, she spent years in HR for large companies, focusing on culture and employee morale. She knows just what it takes to pull the best out of people and has a knack for inspiring and connecting the right folks. She has a degree in English with minors in philosophy and history from Texas A&M University. When she's not busy building Square Roots award-winning culture, you'll find her reading, blogging, hula hooping, or spending time with her husband, daughter, two cats, or two dogs, and a cat. Courtney, welcome to HR Works. Thanks for having me today, Steve. So let's find out a little bit about Square Root. Beyond its software success, it's been consistently recognized for its culture. So could you share a little bit more about the company and the recognition it's received? Yeah, we are a small team in Austin, Texas. And one of the things that we are known for around town is working out of five craftsmen homes just west of downtown, and it really lends itself to a tight-knit family feeling. Um, And that's kind of built up our culture and led to us winning awards both locally and nationally. We've been recognized by Inc. Magazine, Fortune Magazine, Great Place to Work, and actually last Friday, we were named one of the best places to work in Austin by the Austin Business Journal. Well, congratulations on all those awards. Um, Now, we promised we'd talk about failure. So why is it important for companies to embrace failure? Yeah, failure is going to happen and it needs to happen. Um, From an early age, you know, we're taught to test our boundaries and make observations about the world around us. It's it's how we learn. And in Square Root's early age, we started off as a consulting company. And through trial and error, we decided to pivot to being a product company. And so I've really been living with our team for the past four years, what it's like to test, fail, and continue to make things incrementally better. Um, And those are actually very common and key to software development. But I think that regardless of your company size or industry, that the value of um, failure is really about creating a culture of learning, which can benefit any organization. Okay, thanks. So I think failure is a tough word for people to swallow. How do you get a leadership team comfortable with taking such an accepting and encouraging stance toward failure? Yeah, failure is absolutely a scary word. Um, And for our team, my first step was just a lot of listening. Our leadership team understood um, the value that failure could have, but they didn't want to give folks an out for accountability. So we really had to spend our time differentiating between 
a mistake and a thoughtful risk that set people up to learn something. And once we made that distinction, our leadership team really got on board. I mean, for other HR folks, you definitely don't want to fail with payroll, but taking a thoughtful risk on, say, a recognition program is a lot more welcoming from the company. So uh, let's say you do uh, convince leadership that uh, that they should embrace this concept. Um, how do you bring that uh, down then to the management and supervisory level? Yeah, and similar with our um, leadership team, our managers, they, they got philosophically why failure mattered. And so our hurdle um, was and is just getting them comfortable with failing themselves and learning to be risk-seeking and vulnerable and resilient because our managers and any organization, they are the role models. So if they are embodying that behavior, it encourages the team to shed their own fears and start embodying it as well. So I really spend my time just focusing on helping the managers um, be excited to try new things and be okay with failure, knowing that it'll have that trickle-down effect to other folks. All right. So um, your organization's small. It seems like you do a lot of different things. But, <laughs> yes. um, in a bigger organization, uh, who would take on this um, this role? Is this an HR responsibility or is it more for management? It's both. Um, I think of HR as the folks who think through the spirit of an organization. What are its norms, its values? How are people going to work together? And they really have to impart that vision into managers. And if HR is to heart, then managers are definitely that blood pumping through their teams. And there are some weeks where the only folks I spend quality time with are managers um, but I think that's okay because they, like I mentioned before, they're really the ones who are going to help their teams get comfortable with the different concepts such as failure within a team. And so I do think HR and management really need each other for any program to be successful. Uh, all right. Um, I think it'd be helpful if you could give us some examples of what uh, embracing failure looks like uh, in execution. Absolutely. I think that in execution, um, it's all about the learning. Um, I think of failure and execution as people being thoughtful, um, thinking through what they've observed, the problems that they see, and designing an experiment around those that they can actually test. And then really harnessing what they've learned to decide, okay, can I iterate upon this idea or should I just totally scrap it and try something new? And at Square Root for us, that started with hackathons. And actually, we started hackathons just to give people a chance to throw all their regular work to the side for a day and try a passion project of theirs. So the first few um, hackathons we had, actually a lot of projects that were not related to our company came out of them. Um, but in time, we started thinking, how can we um, take this energy that people have, their willingness to actually put aside the day-to-day, -to, -day, to kind of think wacky outside of the box, um, work cross-functionally without um, thinking through silos or any artificial barriers that might exist, and so we started encouraging them to try internal projects and started putting some things into production. And from there, it was like, okay, great. Now, how do we make every day feel like a hackathon? And for us, we kind of sat down the culture team, my team, and the engineering team and collaborated on a program that we dubbed Fail, Learn, Cake. And it's actually a time where we, when someone fails, we bring everyone together and we talk about what they were trying to do and, um, what happened? What did they learn? Um, we asked a lot of questions about what's next. And then we eat cake. And the cake is really there to signify that 
learning from your failure is a celebratory event. And we want people to keep going through that cycle of failing, learning and celebrating. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And I, I mean, that's fail, learn cake. A lot of your programs have intriguing names. Another one seems to be in your shoes and another one learn anything. Can you tell us uh, something more about those? Yeah, if you can tell from the names, we definitely like to add whimsy to our programs. Um, Learn Anything is actually one of the first programs I launched um, at Square Root, and it gives every individual $3,000 each year to learn anything. And we truly mean anything personally or professionally. Um, We really wanted to empower folks to learn um, whether it made sense for their role or not. And one of my favorite examples is um, a woman on our team was scared of being alone. So she was thinking through, how can I take this $3,000 budget and get over my fear of being alone? And she actually became a certified scuba diver. So our team really does get creative with the budget. And sometimes it's an experiment in and of itself of I'm interested in design. So I'm going to go take a design class and see if I actually like it or not. So it gives them um, the freedom to play around with their careers as well. And um, one of the kind of like small little experiments that we ran here is I actually initially launched this program and called it training budget, which um, being one of my first programs, I hadn't put a lot of thought into like the nomenclature um, of a program and no one was using it. And so I had this little theory in my head of, well, if I just change the name to be just so direct as to what the program is, um, and call it learn anything, will people use it? And we ended up having a hundred percent participation in the program by the end of the year. So there's even like these small things within our um, company that we'll test out to see how they, um, pan out across the team. And, uh, in your shoes, which is actually a new program for 2018, it was an experiment launched by two women on my team, Emily and Rachel. Um, they wanted to pair people across the company as soulmates. And the reason was they saw kind of a gap in cross-team empathy. So having people get to learn more about other roles in the company simply for building empathy was their goal. And after an hour, they had designed the program and launched it out into the square root stratosphere to see if it stuck or not. And in time, it really evolved into a mentorship program, both up, down, peer-to-peer. We've had people make a lateral and upwards movement in the past six months um, just because they were able to see other areas of the company where they could plug in. And um, I even have my own soulmate, who's my ongoing buddy, who is an executive. And when I am also in executive meetings, is kind of like eyes and ears to give me feedback on whether or not I can command the room. And so I think just seeing all the small benefits it's had, it'll definitely become another cultural mainstay, like learn anything and fail learn cake. Well, those are uh, very creative programs. And I think it sounds like programs that almost any company could implement. And uh, to get 100% participation in anything is pretty extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. So I understand one another one of your programs, I think it's called Bonusly, came about and, and you had to risk failure to set it up. Is that right? Yes. So Bonusly is our recognition program. It allows um, individuals to give bonuses peer to peer. And many moons ago, um, I was new to Square Root and observed that our team was really craving appreciation and recognition. And around the same time, our executives saw the same problem. And the executive team launched their own version of kudos. 
And um, it didn't quite work. And they kept making these small tweaks upon their program to see if it would stick. And after about a year, they decided, okay, let's give it to Courtney. So I inherited their program with the intent being that I would find a way to make the program work. Well, at that point, I had watched all the things that hadn't worked in the past year. And um, I really wanted to try something radically different. And so I went to the exec team with this idea of launching Bonusly. And it was really hard to tell the executives that while they had the right intent, um, the program they came up with wasn't working. And that meeting didn't go quite so well. So I came back a second time and I, I pitched it differently. I said, let me try this as a one-month experiment. Um, I'm going to be totally accountable for the results. And I will survey the team afterwards to see if they like the old kudos program bonusly or want something totally different. And I will, will honor whatever the feedback comes back with. Um, but in the end, and three years later, Bonusly um, won out, and it's one of our top programs. And I think my favorite part about this story, though, is that the only reason I was able to come up with the idea of Bonusly was because I was able to learn from the past failures in our company and really showed me how our ideas and the things that we try can be additive and we can like learn from each other to create something better than was there before. Now, that's a very helpful concept. Now, um, you've said that one of the important steps in, in getting to the culture you want is to interview for it, um, you know, to bring the right people on board. And so how do you determine whether a candidate is a good cultural fit during an interview? Are there special questions you ask or what do you do? So everyone absolutely has an impact on the culture. We are a small team of 45, so one person can negatively or positively impact the entire company. But even at a large company, um, a negative or just not great culture fit could impact even its small department. So that's why we do interview for culture. It's something we started a few years ago. Candidates meet with me and they meet with our CEO just so there's multiple touch bases on whether or not we think it's going to be a good fit for our values, our norms, our pace of life. Um, and the question I ask, and sometimes it's actually the only question I ask in an entire interview, and it's going to sound so simple, but it's tell me about a project you're proud of. And the reason why I ask that question is because usually in that first minute, I can tell how passionate they are about the work that they do. I can tell how they structure a problem, how they think through it, how thoughtful they are, the questions they ask themselves up front of a project, how they collaborate with others, measure their work, take feedback, all of these things that I think are important for structuring a project. And in the end, I'm looking for how curious they are, but also were they able to step back and reflect on a project that was assumingly a success if they're proud of it and identify what they learned and what they would do differently um, I definitely want people that value learning and value experimentation since it is so integral to our culture. And I really do think that this intentional process, whether you're interviewing for willingness to fail or something totally different, it really does help you start finding the folks who are going to be that positive ads and really build up your culture. And since we've brought in culture interviews, over half of our team has hit their three plus year mark. And so I think that's just a testament to when you're intentional about values and pace, you can really find the right folks for your team. Oh, that's great. That's helpful. Um, we read a lot uh, these days about different generations in the workforce. 
the Xers and the Boomers and the Millennials and the Zs, do you see a difference in the way these different generations view or react to failure? Generational differences are definitely something that play into someone's worldview. And so it does have these slight nuances on how they experience the world. Um, I, for one, I was raised by baby boomer parents. I watched them be very thankful for their jobs and good stewards of the system. And from that, I learned work ethic, um, respect and diligence. But my parents also taught me to question the world around me and just be insanely curious. I think that comes with the territory when you have a mom that's a teacher and a dad that's an engineer. And I went on, as you mentioned earlier, to get degrees in um, English and philosophy. And so when I entered the workforce, um, I walked in and I questioned it all. I was like, why, why do we do it this way? What if we tried this? And I actually found myself um, being sent to HR. I didn't actually start my career in HR, um, but this is what piqued my curiosity in it. And I was told um, by a baby boomer that it was better to be a lovable fool than to be a boat rocker. And I took that as, okay, I can keep my job or I can take a risk and lose my job. And it was 2008, not the best economy. So I clammed up. I was thankful for my job and I was a good steward of the system. And I'm not sure how much of that has to do with my generation um, versus just the people around me. I know people who are my age who had similar experiences and people who had totally different ones. Um, and I think it's a good reminder that regardless of your background, of your generation, of all the experiences that make you who you are when it comes to the workforce, it's really the people around you that can determine your relationship with failure. You know, the people who either squash or nurture your ideas can have all the influence in the world, regardless of um, how you grew up. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, you found uh, that there are surprising similarities between working with your two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and working with your team at Square Root. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I actually became a first-time mom and a first-time manager in the same year. So my empathy and patience reserves um, quadrupled in that year um, for both myself and for others. Um, when I think of my daughter and the way that she views the world, everything is interesting and also a little bit scary to her. I remember um, a couple of years ago when she was taking her first step, she was always very careful to look behind her to make sure I was right there just in case. And now she's actually learning to ride a bike and my husband and I have been hovering over her with every step and um, we finally decided to step back and of course she fell. And so I'm running down the sidewalk and then I'm sitting with her and making sure she's okay. And she's just devastated at falling off this bike. And it took a long time of us just sitting there talking through it and me really coaxing her to get back up and try again, which she eventually did. And she rode her bike home and I could just see the pride on her face. And then the next day she got back on the bike again. And as weird as it sounds, I see the same things in my team. They are interested in the world and their work. They are curious. They have great ideas. And they're also a little scared to try. And I see my role as to encourage them and to also step back and, you know, let them try things on their own. But if they do fail, to just be right there to let them know that they can and should get back up and try again. And I'm always rewarded. And I think they are too with that sense of pride when they're able to ride the bike on their own. Well, that's a wonderful comparison. Thank you. 
So um, to sum this all up, any final recommendations for HR managers that are looking to promote a square root type of culture in their organizations? Yes. I I think if you want a culture that um, supports experimentation, failure, resilience, new ideas, that you should just start by saying it. I, I remember a time when square roots values were just posters on a wall, but we started by saying we wanted to be, and then we hired for those attributes. We rewarded for the right behaviors. Um, we celebrated the right behaviors. Um, we even had some turnover because we were driving towards the right behaviors. And in time, the values on the wall became real. They became part of our day-to-day. So I think if this is something that you want to do, or if there's another thing you want to implement in your culture, um, start being really intentional about it, say it, and then know that you're in for a long journey, but it's totally worth it. Well, it's all very enlightening. Uh, Thanks, Courtney, so much for joining us today and providing all these helpful insights. Of course. Thank you for having me to talk about one of my my favorite subjects. So listeners, please let me know what HR Work should cover next. Bruce at blr.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works.